Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we have a very special guest. We have author Sapna Srinivasan with us today. Sapna, how are you? I'm very well, and thank you so much for having me, you guys. Thank you for being yeah, here. Thank you for being here. So how has your 2022 started off? It's been a very interesting year. Uh, I just uh, wrapped up book three in my uh, series, the Sooth Family series for, uh, with Tuli Publishing. Um, and then I we went on our very first trip involving a plane ride, which has been uh, very exciting because we have not been on a plane in two years. And we were so excited to see the long security line at the airport. We probably looked pretty nuts, like going, oh, security line. I can't wait to get on that. So uh, it was it was uh, very, very fun to be on an airplane um, after a long break with the COVID pandemic. Well, are you ready to get into some icebreakers? Let's do it. If you came with a warning label, what would it be? Yeah, uh, prone to excessive daydreaming. Oh, Same. I know about that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> my territory, I want to say, right? Do people get like, do people say, where'd you go? Or like, I'm like, don't pull me out of the day. Let me come out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. And oddly enough, my name Sapna means dream. So I was almost like maybe I was born to daydream, guys. Don't judge me here. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. What is one book you wish you could experience reading again for the first time? You know, I've had um, the lucky experience of having a few books like that. And you know, a good book is when you want, you wish you hadn't read it so you could do it again. So, but I will tell you the very first book that influenced me that I had that feeling with, uh, that was Pride and Prejudice. And I, you've probably heard oh. that. It's, it's a classic. It's classic. great. It's, yeah. I haven't done my annual reread of it yet. So it's, it's coming though. <laughs> I love that you have an annual reread of Pride and Prejudice. That's awesome. It's it's actually several of the of the Jane Austen collection. So. Aaron is such a swooner. Like that makes yes. total sense, Aaron. <laughs> you would love that book. What is the first song on the soundtrack to your life? Oh my gosh. Uh Kings and Queens by Ava Max. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. Well, we love to hear romance origin stories. So can you share with us how you became a romance reader? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because in India, I grew up in a very traditional Orthodox community. Um, and people don't realize this, uh, you know, uh, living out here in the US, I, it, I can absolutely see how, um, you know, that doesn't come through what, what the kind of uh, environment we grow up in in India. It's very different. And so romance books are not marketed the way they are here. You don't talk about romance, you don't market romance. And so I wasn't naturally or organically, in a sense, exposed to romance books. But the very first one I happened to come across um, was Pride and Prejudice. Actually, it was, and so the really big ones that were really popular were the only ones you could find at like a, you know, at a a sort of used bookstore. And it would be, you know, those really um, sort of ripped up versions of because it's, it's, it's really old and passed down and you don't find those in, you know, so, and I had to really find it and I found it. And that was my first introduction to romance. And I didn't even realize that I was reading romance. I didn't know that category existed. Like, you, you know, you, I was just stepping into it and I, I just loved how I felt when I read the book. And so I just naturally connected with that genre. And so that was my first experience uh, getting into it. And I, I think it's love at first sight. When, if you 
like it, if you like something, uh, any kind of genre, not just romance, anything, mystery or whatever, it, once you love it, you're just, that's it. it, yeah. it you, you just stick with it and you just want more and more and more. And once I had that first bite, I just wanted more and it just naturally flowed for me. I just went and um, I just would trade books. I couldn't afford to buy. Uh, books were really expensive back in the mid 80s. I'm going to sound really old right now, but mid 80s, early 90s. Um, it's okay. <laughs> I know. Right? I, this is a safe space. I feel yeah. like I can share this with you guys. So yeah. So and I used to trade my books with other friends who shared my passion for romance uh, books. And so yeah. So a new mantra is your Thule published debut. Um, congratulations. And Thank you. did you do anything to celebrate your release? <laughs> so funny because and I was just telling um Aaron as well I have a day job as a recruiter uh here in Seattle and so I was working that day but the support was just pouring in through the day from uh and Tuli is a great place for authors let me just throw that in there extremely supportive group of authors and so there I felt like they were right by my side and they kept that fire burning in me that fire of excitement and so through the day I actually had just uh uh um, uh, sort of an inflow of warm, supportive text messages from other authors and friends and family, of course. And so that was my day. And then in the evening, I did have a giveaway event that I did for Tuli on social media. And then I just the way I celebrated, I'm a homebody. So I celebrated with my family. I, you know, took them out, drinks on me. I bought pizza and beer. And uh, that to me, it's a celebration just sort of with the people you really love and you want to be with. So, well, we'd love to hear what your journey to becoming published was like. Oh yeah. Let me, let me drop the veil. It, it was a long, hard journey. Uh, it, it's not, I think there, there are some uh, writers who sort of get that uh, golden ticket uh, right on day one. And I, I, that's wonderful for those, for those writers who had that. I was not one of those writers. So uh, I first wrote a novel way back when I was in my mid twenties. Um, and I, when I could write a novel, I'm like, I, I can do this. And I wrote it and I tried to, you know, I pushed out hundreds of queries to literary agents and I got back hundreds of rejections. Um, and it was just, it was heartbreaking. It was crushing because when you write, you're writing in a bubble. Um, and I'm a lone wolf like that. I, I, I'm not really, there are a lot of writers who collaborate and write. I'm not like that. I need to write in my own kind of little bubble. And so when you're writing, you're in a bubble and then you have to come out and talk about your book and you have to, basically what you're doing is sharing your private diary with the whole world. And so it's not an easy first step to take. So anyway, um, hundreds of queries, hundreds of rejections. Um, and then I just basically gave up at that point. I thought, okay, maybe, you know, I'm sort of a, an intuitive person. So I felt like maybe it's not in the cards and you know what, if it is, it'll come my way. Maybe I need to just like sit down. And so I just pulled back. Um, and I just focused on my career, like my, you know, my, my, the one that was bringing in a paycheck, I focused on that. <laughs> and um, this, this series with Tuli, it, it was just completely organic. The first book, A New Mantra, um, uh, I, I wrote that, it was titled differently, uh, working title, um, and I wrote that one, and then I finished writing it, and it just so happened, and I don't remember when I did this, but I signed up for a writer's conference, I don't even remember when I signed up for it. <laughs> And I get an email, I'm like, writer's conference, Emerald City, uh, you know, it's that's destiny, right? So anyway, I just pitched at the writer's conference and that led to the multi uh, book deal with, so that was 
yeah. <laughs> I hope that you were like daydreaming and actually like typing at the same time. And <laughs> it's like I when think you- sometimes <laughs> I have to pinch myself. I'm like, maybe I'm just daydreaming. Maybe this is just something that I couldn't make it happen the first time. So that I just dreamed this second thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm just going to wake up and be like, what? <laughs> well, I have to say congratulations on being that 20 something person that says they're going to write a book and actually did it. So. I know, right? Yeah. Thank you, guys. You, you're like the number one and number two people who have told me that. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. But can you share with our listeners what a new mantra is about? Yes, absolutely. Happy to do that. It's like you're talking about your kid. I'm like, I can do that. Love talking about my kid. So um, a new mantra is basically, it's a story of redemption. It's a story of self-discovery. That's how I say it. Like if I had to capture it in uh, two words. Um, it's basically my heroine, Mira Sooth. Uh, she's a traditional, quote unquote, good Indian housewife. Um, and so the story basically centers around how how her arranged marriage falls apart um, and when her husband has an affair. And she's a traditional Indian housewife. And what that entails is basically your life is centered around your husband, his career, his dreams, what he wants, basically cooking, cleaning, and doing all of that, all of those satellite jobs around whatever's going to make him happy. And so that was what she was raised to do. And that was sort of the way I developed her character. And then I just, the, the story basically is when her whole world crashes when her husband has an affair. And now she finds herself where she has, the only ship that she was on is basically, it's sinking now. She doesn't have a job. She doesn't have a place to stay. Uh, she doesn't have an income. Uh, and so she has to basically recircuit her whole life and find a way to survive, of course, but also rebuild herself and rebuild her faith in life. Um and it's a story also of um, um, second chance uh, love. And so just finding that and what happens is basically she, how she goes from trying to reshape and rebuild her life and how um, this really handsome white American guy comes along who's unconventional and she's already sort of the center of scandal in her community uh, because she's now, you know, on the way to divorce. And, and now she has to sort of move, sort of uh, uh, find herself, but also rebuild her image in the community and so how she ends up impulsively signing for a half marathon meeting a guy who could sort of help her find love again but then she has to be brave enough to go for that um uh, you know so that's essentially what the story is you touched on Mira being a traditionalist Mm. uh we know her her marriage to Jay was arranged and when it ends we see her struggle with what is expected of her now and her own desires and I have to admit it was tough to read her family is tough. Um, So why was this important for you to explore through Mira's story? Because while it's tough, I think it's, I was, I was chatting with Aaron and Sarah about it. I'm like, I feel very Western woman right now. Like, no, why are you doing this? But I I think what you did was really important. So can you talk about that? Yeah, happy to. And that's actually one of the reasons why I felt like this was an important story to tell. People don't know the side of Indian culture. Um, Indian culture comes across as very vibrant and colorful. And it's a beautiful community to be a part of. 
and I am very proud of it. Uh, but this is a, another side to that community, another side to the kind of world that I grew up in. And arranged marriages is just, it's a very integral part of Indian culture. I had an arranged marriage um, and my aunts and my, my grandparents, my pretty much everyone in the family had an arranged marriage. And interestingly enough, I, so I was always intrigued by human relationships. And I uh, all, just found myself in awe of how these two people just, they meet on day one. And, and my grandparents actually never met until the day of the wedding, which is like crazy. I yeah. thought my thing was crazy. I, I met my husband like for half an hour and we decided, yeah, let's just this. Uh, but you know, my grandparents, they're like, they met like the day of like anything could have happened. So, uh, you know, but they stayed together. And I found that almost challenged the physics a little bit. I'm like, how is that possible? Like, how can every single one of these marriages work out? Um, it, it, something felt off for me. And so I wanted to explore the darker side of that. And, you know, we, again, it's a, the sort of thing that you don't talk about in the Indian community. Divorce, your ma marriage troubles even are, are sort of a no-no topic. You don't talk about stuff like that. You cannot talk about, oh, I'm having problems with my marriage, you know, to anybody in the family. Um, at least that's the kind of community I grew up. And so I felt like that was an important story for me to tell. I felt like these women needed a voice. I felt like they didn't have a voice. People like Mira, they exist. You just don't know it. And they they sort of, they under the rug a little bit. Their their whole lives are spelt, spent living under a rug, I felt like. And I, that's, I think that pushed me to tell that story. The sort of explore the darker side of an arranged marriage. What if something goes wrong? What if it doesn't work out? Then what? And she doesn't have control. He has control and he's left. So what now? What are you going to do? Oh. In the story, Mira signs herself up to run a half marathon and has never been a runner before. What inspired this choice for her character? My own journey as a runner, basically. That's the answer. Um, I've never been a runner and I just happened to become a runner. People don't get it when I say that. How do you happen to become a runner? Uh, so my gym broke down and I, I was just super grumpy for a couple of weeks. And my husband's like, okay, that's it. You're coming running with me. I'm like, I I don't know. I'm going to hate it. And of course I hated it. Um, but then the after effect was just amazing. You know, I don't know the endorphins. I came back and Googled. I'm like, why does running make you feel good? And I think it's the endorphins. And I, it was so good. I wanted to go back and do it again. And so I thought this just has to be part of Mira's journey because I also felt like for her to grow and break that mold of being that perfect good Indian housewife she needs to do something outside of that box and how do I get her to do that and so I thought maybe she should run a half marathon maybe do something that she's never done before that she never thought she could do. yeah she says at one point I think she's talking to I think she's talking to Layla she says mm -hmm. um she felt like a failure she's like I need to do this to not feel like that and I was like that's that's really cool yeah i love that okay a new mantra is not a book to read on an empty stomach it is full of delicious indian food descriptions mira's always cooking something and i'm like googling stuff how did you decide on what recipes to include in the story so when i wrote those scenes I was writing on an empty stomach. So mostly I was just writing down all the things I wanted to eat. I'm like, mm, let's do a samosa. And I want to put it on a pie and just eat it all together. Great samosa pie. 
high. So, you know, uh, the, most of it was just, I was just telling the reader what I wanted to eat. Um, but the other side to that is that um, I think, again, uh, similar to Mira, a lot of Indian housewives, cooking is a very integral part of Indian culture. Um, and so I personally love to cook and I love cooking for my family. Now, I don't know if I was born that way or made to believe that that's who I am. But anyway, that's just how it landed. Um, and so I felt like cooking and making those dishes and things like that, I just had to include that. And a lot of those dishes are very popular um, <clears throat> comfort food. And I thought that that might be fun to include. Yeah, I always enjoy that uh, in a good book, <laughs> some good food. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I feel like food is such a love language. So even though she's going through this dark period, I mean, she you could tell she loves her family. She, she loves her family. Otherwise, I don't think she would have struggled as much as she did. But then also like those moments where she's like cooking for herself or cooking for Layla. I'm like, mm -hmm. I just, I feel like it was definitely still there, even though mm -hmm. she was going through such a dark period. So yeah. Yeah. You know, cooking brings people together. I truly believe that. And I also think that when you cook from your heart, then it brings people together. If you cook from any other part of your body, it just will break up the family, you know? So I feel like uh, my grandmother would always say, you know, uh, she would tell me anecdotes about, you know, oh, grandpa got really mad at me one day. And then I went out and I bought a bunch of mangoes and I made him like a mango chutney. And then he made up and went not went out and bought me a sorry. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll write that down. And, you know, in case I <laughs> need to make up with my husband, make mango chutney. Yeah. Um, so. that was a, another thing with Indian culture is food is sort of the answer. Husband's mad, make him something to eat. He's probably <laughs> hungry, feed him and then he'll be okay. Kids are mad, feed them. Neighbors mad, feed them. You have a guest over, feed them. Feed so, them. <laughs> go-to mantra so yeah uh, we feel that everyone needs a cousin or a friend like mira's cousin layla who is going to be the main character in book two a rebel's mantra share with our listeners about layla as a character and why you felt she deserved a story of her own i knew that there was going to be a book two in the series i already knew that going in um as i was uh, writing book one uh and to me i feel like i need to want i i should want to write that book you know and i to to make that happen i need to have like a really strong heroine um or hero but in my case it was a heroine um and i i, I didn't have to go searching this time usually i would have sat down and tried to brainstorm hey how can i come up with this but layla happened organically i felt like to balance out mira and even from a reader standpoint to balance out all that all of that melancholy and all of that I, it, there needed to be a lightness to the story and i felt like layla's character i was hoping would bring that to the table. Um, and as I wrote the story, Layla just sort of stood out more and more for me. And it just happened organically. I felt like, I think I need, she needs a story. She needs a, a, a book. Uh, and so that's how I think that happened. It was pretty organic, that one. I'm definitely excited for Layla's. I'm like, how is she going to do this with Layla? Because she seems very content with her life. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but she did bring that lightness. She's like, why do you let Mommy G, is it, how do you say, is it Mommy G? Yep. Yep. Mommy G. Why yep. do you let her bully you so much? Yeah. I just love, like, she was so content with kind of being like the outcast because she refused to, to perform. So I'm like, <laughs> oh gosh, how's she going to do this for Layla? What are we <laughs> 
I, I put it through the minster and book too. That's I read somewhere, you know, when you're writing any kind of story, uh, and especially romance, you got to put your hero or heroine through a minster first before you give them like a really good day out. So you have to, so, oh, she, she'll put me in book Well, let's get into our roundout questions. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Early bird or night owl? What time of day do you prefer writing? Early bird. You, you don't want to know me at night. I'm just boring at night. Like I just, I'm like, because I'm usually high energy. So you can imagine I just burn out by, by yeah. six o'clock yeah. over and out. Mic drop. Uh-huh. I need yeah. to go to bed. That's same. it. I can't deal with other human beings. So early bird. Yeah. Same. What is one film or television show you will never stop watching? Oh my gosh. Can I say two? Because there, yeah. it's, a, it's a tie. Oh yeah. Hi, you guys. This is your it. show. You say oh. whatever you want to say. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh. I, I should have made a list. I have so much to say. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Downton Abbey and the Great British Baking Show. Can't oh, okay. 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 I know. I know. It's a binge watch. Okay. Is Downtown Abbey, like, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> Downtown Abbey is like my favorite. I, I I'm just really into uh period drama, anything. So for me, like Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, okay. take me like to 18th century, 19th century. I, I'm I'm all in. 20th century, I'm all in. So anything away from our century, I'm all in. So uh that's just I think and Downtown Abbey is just I just love that show. I didn't I didn't think I'd love it as much, and people kept talking about it when it first came out. And then now I'm addicted, of course. Very nice. Have you watched The Gilded Age? No. Is that one good? Yes. So it's kind of, it's almost like an American version of Downton Abbey where you've got, you know, the the upper crust and then the servants and, you know, all the stories getting intertwined and things like that. Oh, okay. I should check that one. I love stories like that. Okay. See, I want to watch period shows, you guys. <laughs> it's a sort of lovey thing. Not everyone likes it. People who like it just like they're like me. They're like they won't stop watching it. They won't stop talking about it, which is worse for the people next. And time. I think that's my thing yeah. is like when I when I become obsessed with something, I'm unapologetically obsessed, and I just want to yeah. talk about it with yeah. people. <laughs> like Same. nobody in real life. Care. Care. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I don't care if you want to listen. It's more important for me to say this than for you to hear it. So I'm just <laughs> yeah. I just need to get it out. Ooh, right. There's the door. You don't want her to be here. There you go. <laughs> okay. If Mira had a run playlist, what would be one of her favorite songs to run to? Um, Better Days by Mae Muller. Yeah. I think the lyrics, only because the lyrics just would speak to her. Okay. Sweet, sad story. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> If you decided you want takeout for dinner tonight, where are you order from and what's your order? I love Thai food. Um, so oh, yeah. I would do, so usually for me, takeout is Thai food and I do the same thing. I'm sort of like that. If this works, I'm not going to change it. Uh, so Penang curry is my favorite. Uh, and I usually will do it with like rice noodles. I know people like it with rice, but I just like noodles. And I don't I know I love why. noodles too. Yeah. They're made of the same thing and people don't get that. And I'm like, I know, but I like that they're stringy. Yeah. So. <laughs> I am a sucker for noodles. <laughs> I can't explain it. It's just the sort of thing. That <laughs> what is one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever received? Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you. So I'm a people pleaser. And so this was a hard one for me to digest. Uh, someone once told me, if you're doing this to please everyone, and if that's your goal, you're not going to make it. I'm like, what, what do you mean? I, I, 
of course I can. I mean, but they were like, oh, no, no, you, you can never please everybody. And if that is your goal, you need to change that goal to be happy. And so it was really hard for me to grasp that, especially when I was younger. Um, I was determined to please everybody. Uh, and of course, it doesn't work that way. Uh, so that was fun learning curve yeah that one's a <laughs> yeah. hard that's hard to let go of especially when you're yeah. young because we want to be liked yeah. you want to be liked exactly <laughs> you know what is one piece of advice you'd give to aspiring writers who are querying their first book oh my gosh i'll uh First off, I, I want to tell them writing a book, it's not, it's, it's that in itself as an achievement. And you don't want to hear this. I know, I know, because that's how I felt when people would tell me that I, I want to just like smack their hand away. I'm like, you don't know it. Like, what are you talking about? Like the easy part. I don't know. So, um, no, that is a hard thing to do. So, uh, finishing that book is really hard. So good job. <laughs> and then the second thing is, um, <clears throat> you, the, I think people forget that when when you write, you write in a bubble. And so you need to share what you've written with people who can really give you uh, constructive criticism and don't, and that doesn't count parents unless they're super honest, uh, like they're going to tell it like it is. There are some like that. Um, you need to share it with like beta readers. So first of all, get some solid, honest reviews and feedback on what we, what you've written. Um, <clears throat> and once you feel like you've got that, got a grasp of, you know, okay, this is good to go. Start querying. Uh, querying is a great way to get in front of agents but I also recommend literary conferences uh, I feel like you know with queries I did a lot of querying you know and they read it but the thing is if you want to separate yourself from the pack you have to get in front of an agent and the way to do that is literary conferences that's the way to go uh, because you know if you if you think about it you've written a solid really awesome query letter but then picture the other side where you're actually pitching your book to an agent they can see your face there's that FaceTime, there's a body language, they can see your passion, uh, you know, and how much this means to you and how much you trust what you're, what you're putting forth for them to, to represent. And so that I think really will help separate you from the pack. Um, and so uh, definitely, definitely sign up for writers conferences uh, to pitch your book. And there's tons of videos online on YouTube uh, on how you can create a, a really awesome literary pitch uh, to, you know, to, you know, the sort of, uh, it's like a two minute pitch and you, you have to keep it to two minutes at these conferences. That's all the time you get. Um, and then they kick you out of the room. Uh, so uh, yeah, so YouTube is a great resource and then writers conferences um, and then also writing groups. If you're a lone wolf like I am, uh, still get beta readers to read your stuff. But if you can work with other writers, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank yeah, you, of course. Yeah. So we saw on your website that the Sued Family series has a third book as well, a mm -hmm. mantra for Miss Perfect. Is there anything you can tell us about it? Yeah, of course. So, so Sahana Sooth is my heroine in book uh, three, uh, Mantra for Miss Perfect. And she features in book one also. And now she is, I had a cousin like that. So she's Miss Perfect, right? Like she is like the overachieving cousin and just can't stand. Yes. She's just so perfect. <laughs> but the thing is, she's been unlucky in love. And so book three is about Sahana Sooth, her awesome career as a corporate attorney. She's got everything. She's burning a... A, 
uh, she's blazing a trail there, but she doesn't have a man to show for at all of these family gatherings. And and then she meets Ryan Mara, who has that potential to fill that space. But we're gonna have to see how she how she treats him and how it all works out. But that's what book three is about. I'm very excited. And there's book four too that's in the works right now. It's not on my website because it's still in you know it's still in the works. But we're working on that on the production side. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know we were gonna have four books yes <laughs> four book fun four book series that's amazing well congratulations on that thank yeah, you no, thank you great. so much well lastly where can everyone follow you online yeah so um i'm most active on facebook and linkedin uh and i'm not as active on twitter or instagram but i'm there i'm there i've got an account um uh and bookbub is great for me bookbub um you're welcome to follow me on bookbub and then uh, goodreads those are the places where you'll find me okay well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Please come back. I mean, whenever the series is finished, we'd love to wrap it up with you. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm. Very, I it, this has been absolutely a blast, you guys, and thank you so much for having me. Thank it's you for being. So here. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Well, listeners, make sure you check the links in the show notes. We'll have links to all the places you can keep up with the incredible Safna, who will be back. We're going to persuade her to come talk to us again. <laughs> go get your copy of A New Mantra. It is out. You can go order your copy now. Be on the lookout for Layla's book, y'all. I, we, we loved Layla, and we just have to see what we how Layla gets a romance. <laughs> so make sure you check the show notes. Everything will be down there. Thank you again, Safna, for being here with us today. Thank and, you for having me. Yes. And Aaron and I will chat with you in our next episode. Have a lovely day, everybody. Thank you for listening.